Now, before I get into the first part of my message, I need to make sure we all have the same foundation. I want to remind you of a truth that I know that you already know, and that is that the Word of God is the authority. Amen? All right. Today's topic is going to be on some people's toes maybe a little bit, but just trust me and go with me on it. We're going to be okay But I need as a foundation for everything that happens, I need you to be tuned in with the fact that the Word of God is the authority. And so when I say the Word of God is the, she's so ahead of the class, man. She got you guys. There's going to be a pop quiz that occurs periodically throughout the message, and I'm going to say the Word of God is, and I need you to say the authority. All right, you've got it. I know that one was still a little surprising, but the Word of God is the authority. All right, good, you're with me. It's going to happen a few times because I need us to know that as we engage in this topic of this area of our life, that it is not our earthly preferences that matter, but it is our heavenly commands because the word of God is our... Oh, man, that was, that was weaker than I expected. I thought I set you up pretty well. The word of God is our... All right, that's much better, much better. Okay. As we get into today's series, it's not a series, it's a one week, so don't be afraid. If you're like, I can't handle this, so that, you know, Paul's going to talk about politics, and if you, you know, I've heard that if you break down the word politics, it's poly meaning, meaning many, and ticks meaning blood-sucking insects. Um, it it's, might be a good description for politics, but I'm going to, yeah, we, we say woo now, we'll see where we go, because the church has not done a great job at our involvement in politics. In fact, I would say there has almost been this separation that occurs that we move straight into our, our earthly preferences and leave behind our heavenly commands when we enter into this realm of, 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 of politics. And in fact, Dr. Tony Evans did a, did a series that I think is like six weeks on this whole topic of being a kingdom-minded voter. And if you, if you love this area of conversation, go check it out. And some of his stuff will be part of my message. And he shared this story, pretty cool thing for a dad as a pastor. His, one of his sons played in the NFL. And so that's a fun thing as a dad, no matter who you are. But as a pastor, it means he got invited a few times to come and do a chapel service with the Buffalo Bills or whatever team his son was playing for. And as a dad and as a pastor, you're like, I have to go. I mean, they, I have the opportunity to go and bring the gospel to these guys. I have to go. And so he was going to share for the Buffalo Bills before one of their games against Washington. And then he got a second phone call. And it was the Washington team, football team, Washington Redskins as they once were called, and said, hey, will you come and do a chapel before our game against the Bills? And he's like, well, I'm already scheduled to do one, but I, I guess I could do both. But as a dad, there's got to be a little bit of struggle there, because what message do you bring to the team that you hope your kid beats up on in just a few minutes? Like, what do you tell them? Like, I mean, I think you kind of enter and it's like, okay, guys, Washington Redskins, you're going to do this, and it's going to be like the Battle of Jericho. You're not going to touch the other team. You're going to just walk around them, and it's going to be okay. Do not hurt my son out there. Because he definitely had an earthly preference of what he wanted to happen. He wanted the Bills to stomp them out. But when he was given this opportunity to bring the message of the gospel to these men in this locker room, he had to decide, am I going to follow my earthly preference and bring them a lesser message? 
ask for lesser blessing, ask for lesser things from God for them? Or am I going to pursue my heavenly calling to, to, to give them the same exact thing? And so that's the thing that he had to arrive on. I have to just give the same message. Otherwise, I'm going to end up letting my preferences show. And so he did. He delivered the same. And when it comes to us, I think that we reach this point where it's like, okay, I understand at church and in church environments how I need to be, but I think the problem is that we've said, when it comes to politics and the way I talk about politics and the people that I talk about politics with, it's like, I'm going to take all of the heavenly commands and I'm going to just set them to the side. Because what I want matters more than what scripture teaches, and we don't ever say it out loud that way. But boy, do our actions show it. And a lot of today's message is is about what do you want more? Do you want what God has for you and what God has instructed you? Or do you want to cling towards your earthly preferences? Today, our passage comes from Philippians chapter 3. And as the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi here, he's dealing with major division in the church. In fact, people... What they're trying to persuade other church people of, it's so different, it's so foreign from the gospel message, they've completely left the faith behind as he describes it. And he's dealing with these polar ends of people and he's trying to tell the church, the followers of Christ, how to deal with them because these other people are just so far off base. And we're going to pick up in verse 18, Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 18 through verse 20, if you have your Bibles with us. And we'll put this up on the screen. And he says, For I have told you before, and I say it again, with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for his return as Savior. Now, I think that we can, we can get behind the way that he talked about the difficult people because we like to talk about difficult people and their shortcomings, especially if we get to talk about the type of people who are on the wrong side of the political aisle. Like, we can get behind the concept of, like, you know, they're enemies of the cross of Christ, they're, they're headed for destruction, their God is their appetite, they brag about shameful things. We're like, that's a pretty good description of those people who are on the wrong side of the political aisle from me. But I think that we miss... The way that he said, he talks about this. Like, because he, he identified where my, he identified where his heart is when he has to address this situation, which is reflective of what Jesus said when he was teaching, uh, where he told us to love our enemies. And he says, it's with tears in my eyes. And I think that when we have discussed people that see the world differently than us, when we've discussed people who see political things differently than us, we have not had a tear in our eye for them. We have not had compassion in our heart for them. And the way that we've spoke about them and the things that we've hoped for them are completely out of line with what Scripture teaches. And Scripture is supposed to be our... All right, there's like three people. Scripture is supposed to be our... Okay, and if scripture says that you can judge a tree by its fruit, if it, and when it uses this illustration, it's saying the words that you say, the actions that you take, the people that you support, the policies that you support, the things that grow up and out of your life, those are the fruits of your life. 
And when scripture says, like in Matthew 7, 17, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now listen to me, church. This isn't my opinion being spoken here. These are the teachings from the mouth of Jesus himself, and the word of God is our... And so when he says you judge by the fruit that's being created, this is first of all aimed at you, not at someone else. Make this about you. When you think about the summation of the words that you've been saying, the actions you've been taking, the way that you've been treating people, the way that you've been making people feel by the way that you treat them, that is the fruit of your life. Is your life producing something that is good or something that is destructive? Because it is true, we are saved through faith alone, and it's by grace. We cannot earn our salvation. You cannot earn a right status before God. But Jesus, time and time again, has, has reinforced the importance of the actions that you take. That your life is, is creating and growing a fruit out of it. The words that you say. are part of the fruit that's created by your life. Jesus says you're not walking up to an apple tree and seeing rotten fruit on one half and good fruit on the other. One is going to win out in the end. And if you've felt like you have this special protected area of your life in politics where you get to act like a jerk to people, If the word of God is our, then when he says the fruit that comes out of your life matters, then we need to bring that area of our life in line. If Matthew 12, 34, Jesus is speaking and says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, then the words that you say matter because they're reflective of your heart. In Ephesians 4, 29, when the Apostle Paul writes and says, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the building of others, that it may benefit those who listen. And the word of God is our, then the words that we say matter. They're fruit that grow out of our life and we have to be protective of the things that we say. And so I'm gonna step on a couple little toes here. So if you have a Let's Go Brandon sticker on your car, there might be a little part of you that's separated from the teachings about the way that we're supposed to use our words. If you think it's okay to describe people as a basket of deplorables, You might have to be a little careful with the way that you use our words. There is not a special caveat within the teachings of Scripture for except when you're dealing with people in politics. And within the church, there's these people that are teaching things. I mean, they're claiming the name of Christ. In verse 18, the Apostle Paul says it's their conduct. It's not their claims. There's so many people that are like, oh yes, I do love Jesus, but I'm going to just live however I want to. There's a reality that conduct will will reveal what you really think, what you really believe. Ephesians 4.15 is very important to this conversation because when it comes to politics, so many of us will say, well, I'm just speaking the truth. Like, I didn't say anything that was wrong. 
Well, you might have said the truth and you might have said it in the wrong way because the way that we speak the truth in our culture, it matters. In Ephesians 4.15, we are instructed to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speak the truth in love. We can't miss that part. It's crucial for the delivery because here's the thing. It's easy to be loving to someone and avoid the truth because we don't want to hurt their feelings. And I want to tell you right out of the gate, it's not loving for you to keep the truth away from someone who needs to hear the truth. That is not loving. That is avoiding conflict. That is letting fear dictate how you live. That is keeping someone from something that they need to benefit their life. If you love someone, you will speak truth even when it's difficult to speak at times. But you will speak it in love because if you just speak truth and you know it's going to make them upset and you don't care if they get upset because you said it and it was true and so you don't have to guard your words at all, your truth being spoken is really just self-medication. You enjoy saying it. You are speaking to hear yourself speak and you feel like you have a license to say it because the words that you said weren't a lie. And if you actually care about the person, you're going to speak the truth to them in a way that they will receive it. And if you've been operating on either of those two ends and not in the middle of it, I want to remind you the word of God is the And so we have to change our behavior and we have to bring the way that we speak into line with the things of God. So when it comes to the realm of politics, the way that you speak to people, the way that you speak to people who support a different candidate than you, I understand that they might be wrong. But the way that you talk to them about things matter. The way that the Apostle Paul described his feeling of those people who were way off base, they were enemies of the cross when you look at at the conduct of how they lived. Their God was their appetite. They bragged about shameful things. They only thought about their life here on earth. But when he saw them living that way, his reaction to them wasn't good. They're going to get what they deserve. They didn't turn, so they're going to burn, and I'm going to laugh about it. That was not his reaction. His reaction was it's with tears in my eyes that I see them taking these steps and it's going to destroy them. You cannot reconcile the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with an attitude that says, I don't care if they're headed for destruction. You can't reconcile the message of Jesus Christ with an attitude that just says, forget them, let them go. If you see the image of God written across that person, no matter how bad their decision making has been, your heart should break for that person. You should want the best for them. You should have a desire to craft your words in a way that they will hear the compassion and the love and the truth. So as we head into election day, and some of us are very vested into this this interaction of electing officials and what they stand for, and it's good. We have a civic duty to do what is best, but I want to tell you, as we enter into this civic duty, we cannot put the commands of heaven behind us because of our earthly preferences. In the way that we talk about the other candidates, and the way that we talk about their supporters, the the policies that we choose to support, the word of God is our, and so we have to filter what we do and what we support through those things. 
And so when we look at the way that we talk, when we look at the things that we're supporting, I want to challenge you to, to do what Ephesians 4.15 said, to operate with truth and love. And, and the, this, this part of the passage is, is, is so important. It's so critical. It says, growing in every way more and more like Christ. When it comes to the division of being graceful and being truthful, I know that I land on the side of truthful. Like sometimes I... I most times I have to try to inject grace into my, content, my, my, my statements because I'm just like, the truth is there. Um, I, I was driving just this week with my wife and on a road that is a multi-lane road and it's 50 miles per hour and I'm in the fast lane going the speed limit or maybe just a couple miles above in that grace zone the police officers give us. And someone pulled out in front of me, went across the lanes and was going 15 miles per hour in the fast lane. And so I have to slam on my brakes and I apply my horn because that's what you do in that situation. And my wife, who is on the grace side of things, is like, why you, did you do that? I was like, well, if I don't do it, they won't know that they're dumb. Like, they need the correction. And, you know, she, she's more mature than me. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. I, like, I, I get, like, there's times where it's like people need to know how far off base they are. But what are, you, what are you saying, what are you doing, what are you communicating that is actually for their benefit or for your benefit? Because I'll tell you, every ounce of that horn was for my benefit. Like that made me feel better about the situation. And I know that there's things that I have to grow in, but this is the place that you need to be. There should be some contention. There should be some fighting that happens within you between your spirit and your flesh and the way that you think that recognizes when I do something that is outside of the teachings of Scripture, I have to bring it back in line with the pattern that Christ has set for us. I am not telling you that you're going to pray a prayer and be perfect all the time, but when you start your relationship with Christ, when you reach that point where you recognize that I can't be good enough for God, that Christ died on the cross to pay for my mistakes, that God so loved me that he sent his son to give me a new chance to adopt me into his family. And so now I need to learn to live in this new pattern that he said. You need to engage and enter into this fight where you're bringing your actions in line with the, screech, with the teaching of scripture because scripture is the and there's going to be times where we want to just lay on the horn, where we want to yell, where we want to cuss, where we want to have a pity party, where we want to throw a fit, and everyone in the world would say, you're justified for your behavior. Go ahead and do it. But there's a voice inside of us that the Spirit of God has woken up that says, you have to live differently now. You don't get to act like everyone else acts in the realm of politics. You don't get to live vulgarity out of your life because you've been called to something better, something higher, something different. And there's a whole chorus around us that, that in our culture that, that says, you know, fall, fall in line with what the crowd says or you're evil, you're terrible, you, you must hate us. And Rick Warren said it absolutely best, and I know many of you have heard this, but it's worth repeating. Rick Warren said, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Listen to me. You do not have to compromise the teaching 
of the word of God to be compassionate to the world around you. You can disagree with what other people think about politics. You can disagree with how they vote. And you can support the candidate that stands for the ideals that that scripture teaches and that you're passionate about. And you can stand for them and still love the people around you even when they're screaming that you absolutely can't. And the compassionate amongst us, they will have a serious amount of anxiety of saying, but if I don't support what they support, they're gonna be angry at me. They're gonna think I don't care for them. And I wanna tell you, the word of God is the And so we have to continue on the principles that Scripture has taught us of what is justice, what is mercy, what is righteousness for our city and our nation. And we have to continue to pursue the calling that God has put in front of us. Growing more and more like Christ, who is Christ, the body, the church. When we're part of the church, the one who directs the church is Christ. It's his teachings. It's his direction. And there's so many people that, that as the Apostle Paul was dealing with, he says that it's their conduct that shows they're enemies of the cross. There's so many people in our government system who claim the name of Christ, but their conduct, their conduct has long departed from that. And that is not to say you're going to find a politician who is perfect. You're not. But call it what it is. Someone else's behavior might be completely wrong, but yours as best as you can control it. You need to say, I need to be a unified person where the morals that scripture teaches are the morals that I support, the morals that I live, and the morals that I vote for. Because there is a time and an opportunity that we have to be a witness and a testimony here, and we have to live it out. We, we'll have a whole amount of voices around us that might see it differently, but it doesn't matter. And I want to tell you, it's difficult. It's difficult when, the, when you feel like the world around you is operating completely different than you. It's difficult when you feel like you have a stadium of people yelling at you and hoping that you fail when you know that you have a mission that you have to accomplish. Now, as, as I continue into this message, it, 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 this might be for me, but it, it couldn't help working to the illustration. I know some of you guys are mourning the game that happened yesterday, and some of you are cel- celebrating it. Yep, that's right. I lived in Georgia for like 11 years, so I'm so sorry, Tennessee. It was a tough day. You're still a good team. Georgia's just a better team. All right? But Tennessee, some of your alumni, I think, really messed it up for you. First of all, I think the the press messed it up for you when they put you number one over Georgia because that fueled Georgia's fire. And then someone from Tennessee, a former player, tweeted, it's not really that bad to play in Georgia. Like, he talked about the noise like it wasn't a factor. And how else can you motivate a crowd base to yell at you more than telling, what, telling them what they do is not enough? Because it was one of the loudest that it's ever been in Georgia Stadium when Tennessee was trying to play them. They had seven times where the offensive line couldn't get it together because of the noise that was happening in that stadium. I can't, like, they're a good team. I think they should be proud of their year. They're going to continue to have a great year. But to be in a stadium where everyone is against you and they're amped up for yelling against you, it, it's hard to stick to your game plan. And Georgia, they just, they, they did what they had to do. But the, the, all the, the players for Georgia, the coaches for Georgia, they said it was the crowd that made a difference. And I want to ask you, what's been directing you? Is it the crowd or is it the game plan that you prepared for? Has your politics, has your opinions been formulated based on what the crowd around you is screaming? 
or the things that you're supporting and the way that you're living and the, po- the po- politicians that you vote for, are you choosing that based on the principles that are taught in Scripture? Because if you're a Republican and you just vote along the ticket, I want to tell you there's a problem with that. And you're a Democrat and you just vote along the ticket, there's a problem with that. If you're a libertarian and you just stick, we need to be looking at the policies that are supported, the personalities that are there and how they live and what they support, and we need to be judging a tree by the fruit that it produces. And and for too long, Christians, we have voted mindlessly or we've been not involved at all or we've just gone with the crowd. And I want to tell you, whether it's the secular crowd or the Christian crowd that just says, here, I'm going to do your thinking for you, just vote this way, you're missing it. We have a civic duty. We have a responsibility in our culture. But the responsibility that we have is to follow the teachings of Scripture because Scripture is the the authority of our life. And so we say that one last time as I bring one last passage out. And band, you guys can make your way out. You guys just mentioned that Scripture is the authority. And so the teachings of Scripture is the authority of our life. And so Philippians chapter 2 It's within the same letter of the main passage we've been studying. Go ahead and bring that up on the screen. I want you to make sure you read along this so you know that I'm not making up. Because here is your instruction for scripture of how to live. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Isn't that what you thought that your children would be like one day? They'll do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Keep this up on the screen for a few minutes for me. I want you to see, first of all, the separation and the difference that Scripture tells you that you're going to live in. That you're going to look so differently if you follow the teachings, if you follow the ways of Christ. You're going to look so differently that it's going to be like light in the darkness. You don't get to be like them. When they hurl insults at you, you don't get to hurl them back. When they criticize you, you don't get to criticize them back. You don't get to complain. You don't get to argue. This is the authority of the word of God speaking into your life. And it says you're going to look so vastly different than them. And when we get involved in politics, we start, exact, we start acting exactly like they have. As if our faith, as if the teachings of Scripture lost its authority in our life. And I want to challenge you, church, bring it all back together. Be the same person Sunday morning as you are Friday night. Be the same person in the voting booth as you are Sunday morning. Walk in unity as person and grow. You're not going to be perfect. Do better and better. But recognize your calling is to be something different than what the crowd has been, different than what they've been shouting. The decision you're going to have to make is what do you want more? Do you want to look like the crowd or do you want to chase after what God has for you? What do you want more? Do you want the will of God for your life? What the crowd is screaming. If, if, if you act like us, if you be like this, then, then maybe they don't even have the answer. What do you want, church? God's will for your life or what we've seen time and time again that is never enough from our culture. The instruction that we have is to look different, be different, to even feel different about those who would challenge us. On the whole realm of politics, I'm going to 
<laughs> wrap up with a, a real spiritual story for you here. Um, Beaver, Oklahoma. First of all, that's just a funny place to live and be from. Um, their, their state fair that happens there, they have a contest that happens as well that you've probably never heard of. It's the official world championship cow chip throwing contest. The farmers in the room laughed. They know what cow chips are. Um, cow chips are poop, just so you know. And here in Beaver, Oklahoma, they have the official, the official world championship of poop throwing. And there is someone, I don't know if he gets a medal or a t-shirt or what he gets for winning the world championship of throwing cow poop. I'm sure he gets an award. But when you participate in that contest, whether you get the award or not, I do know this much. You get cow poop all over your hands. And when you enter into a mudslinging contest, when you enter into the arguments and the destructive name calling that follows our politics far too often, maybe you'll win at it, but I know what's gonna be on your hands. And we are called to live differently. The word of God is our And there's a decision that will happen in your, your heart. When you feel the draw, this is the, what the world wants me to do, this is what scripture teaches, and you will choose, what do I want more? I can tell you what will fulfill you more, I can tell you what will bring you more peace, and I will tell you what will bring more blessings, and that is Christ himself. So want him more than anything else this world could give. As we go to the ballot box, as we speak with representatives, as we speak with people who support politicians, let's continue to want what Jesus wants for us, for our words and for our actions. Let's pray together. God, would you give us wisdom that as we interact with our local politicians, when we interact with our state officials and those who support them, would you show us the opportunities to be examples of truth and love? And as we do our civic duty, would we walk in integrity? Would we speak with love and truth so that we can shine like stars the way that Philippians tells us that we should? We thank you for the opportunity that we have. Help us to continue to choose you over all other things. It's in your son's name we pray.